Hello, creeps. Welcome to the Horror Vanguard. I'll be your ghost. I mean host for today's exciting tale of terror. Saw 2, theorizing new metal cinema. <laughs> so, so John, I know that you have in fact seen Saw, but did you see Saw 2? Uh, I too saw Saw 2. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen Saw 2 and I will see Saw 2 through a new lens as would be suggested by... Uh, oh my god, who, who wrote Ways was, of Seeing? It was written by John Berger, that's right. Jonathan Berger? Yes. Oh my god, sorry, my, my mind has just been like fully fully replaced by new metal and nothing else so welcome everyone to your second installment of the saw retrospective on the internet's number one source for <laughs> critical theory horror movies and new metal information <laughs> i i really do feel like we should coin the term new metal cinema as as being an actual valid critical category of film because because Oh boy, oh boy, have we have we arrived with Saw 2. We have arrived in 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 the new metal cinema age and it is it is it is garbage, but this is this is my garbage. So like settle into the dumpster folks because the only way is down. <laughs> <laughs> so so we're going to start here in our discussion of Saw 2 because we have to talk about new metal if we're going to talk about Saw 2. So I, I think I think for me the first thing is to discuss new metal as an effective generic category in the greater metal metal landscape and Saw Two provides us an excellent window here mm -hmm. because Saw Two is a torture porn movie. Mm -hmm. uh, we've discussed torture porn as a cinematic category on the show before, and I'm a firm believer that torture porn doesn't exist. Uh, torture porn is a pejorative, and it doesn't actually describe anything useful. Uh, you, we, we call something torture porn as a way to dismiss it or to reconcile it to a category of lesser and unimportant cinema. Mm -hmm. uh, new metal, likewise, I would argue, does not really exist. Uh, it, it, is, it is a pejorative category that, just like torture porn, is used to uh, uh, shovel a bunch of disparate and only semi-related musical acts into a shared pit from which uh, nothing can grow and nothing can be discussed. Okay, this this is that's a bold opening claim. That is a bold, and I and I love it. Oh, we don't we do not uh, uh, pull punches on your number one source for new metal information. Uh, oh, okay. So let's let's unpack that, shall we? Let's unpack that. Yes, let's let's do some some critical new new metal theorizing. Uh, because I would say that genre and kind of mood and affect definitely exist but i also think i kind of get what you mean uh that it is it is it is you it is used as a pejorative and i totally think it shouldn't be um and it yes and, but there are i would i would say that there are definitely like fairly consistent genre markers that kind of identify it and I think some of those genre markers actually transfer into the cinema that we're talking about. 
Oh, they, they, they absolutely, absolutely do transfer into the cinema. Uh, uh, new metal is as cinematic a genre as it is a, a musical genre. And, and what I mean specifically by it doesn't exist as a genre is because it's not treated as a genre, right? Like, like the, the, the discourse for torture porn and new metal closes kind of artistic discussions, right? It closes critique, mm. you know? New metal is an incredibly loaded term. If you call a band new metal, odds are they're going to get offended by what you're saying. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, Jonathan Davis, the lead singer of Korn, uh, hates the term new metal, even though Korn is uh, ostensibly the band that founded new metal. Um, you know, he, he, he is never even like he is uh, in the past de- defined Korn as not even a metal band. Right. He sees Korn as something weirder and experimental and outside of these kind of generic boundaries. Right. Uh, other acts like Trent Reznor has kind of famously critiqued new metal as just being very commercial and very trite, but the, the, the markers for new metal apply to a massive category of films that are loosely er, (laughs) films, films and bands that are kind of loosely connected around some central thematics. Um, but yeah, no, no, I, I, I would, I would completely agree with what you're saying. I, th- I think we're both kind of speaking at different ends of the new metal theorizing. But let's, let's, let's unify at a new metal core. Yeah, yeah. I, I so I think uh, a couple of things which I think are really important if we're going to talk about a kind of new metal cinema and the role that that the Saw films play in that is that one, uh, new metal like lyrically and sonically is incredibly melodramatic uh and two is kind of goofy and slightly silly uh but a lot of that gets expressed as sort of hyper like in the classic like bro new metal it, a lot of it gets expressed in kind of like very uh angst angsty angry white boy lyricism is what i'm gonna say yes uh, yes, uh, absolutely. And, and you know what? I am going to defend the idea of uh, angsty white boys having their own kind of melodrama to an extent. And I think that's exactly the right way to understand Saw 2 is, is as that, that particular strain of new metal is exactly what's influenced as it like stylistically in the writing in 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 everything about it has influenced so too and i i I would likewise say that like corn's freak on a leash is one of the most interesting and innovative uh examples of an experimental album that that achieved kind of genre defining popularity Mm -hmm. in and they're not appreciated that way and I think we could do a lot more with with our criticisms more broadly, uh, especially when we take this to new metal cinema in Saw too. Yeah, if we if we give, give give the film that kind of appraisal. So what do you what do you think about Saw, uh, Part Two? <laughs> I I honestly think that um, I I you know my initial visceral reaction is I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with the Saw Two, but. Um, I immediately st- would stop having fun if I took it entirely seriously and straightforwardly. Saw two is no freak on a leash, is what I'll say. <laughs> um, no, I, I've I thoroughly agree with that, um, and I get so like 
we're not quite into the moral panicking era about the Saw films yet. That's probably coming with the next one. Um, but you can start to see some of the problems. But, like, tonally, it's it's a new metal song. It's angsty. It's incredibly melodramatic. You know, you just don't understand me, Mom. Uh, and it's incredibly, like, over-the-top and stylized. And if you take that entirely seriously, you go, well, this is just rubbish. But if you take it as with the self-awareness that I think new metal demands. It's it's an absolute blast in places. There are, there are moments in this film which made me laugh a lot. Yeah, so this is like, I, I, I see Saw 2 as a new metal reimagining of Saw 1. Yes, you know? yeah, exactly. Uh, not necessarily a soft reboot, but but a way of doing the original with a different genre. And it carries forth the same genre morale, or the same moralities that were in the first saw right you still have a lot of really awful commentary on addiction in saw 2 uh for example um that's probably the leading critique there even though that weirdly enough i think might be my favorite sequence in this movie just because of how they achieved those practical effects uh are you Um, are you talking about the infamous needle pit i am i'm talking about the needle pit uh wherein the effects team removed the needles from over 150,000 syringes and replaced them with fiber optic cables. Yeah. And and, uh, and, and that wasn't even enough. <laughs> and uh, credit to Shawnee Smith, right? Like, because, like, she she sells the hell out of it. That that scene is, is actually, it's, it's actually the scene which comes closest to being, like, genuinely quite upsetting to watch. Um, because... Sh- She's so good. Shawnee Smith is great in these films. <laughs> there there yeah, are two, the, there are two the unacknowledged beating hearts the, of the song. There are two franchise. actors in this film who do a good job and it's like glaringly obvious who they are. It's Tobin Bell who plays John John Kramer who who literally just how, how, as in terms of just charisma and ability to kind of be on screen just outshines literally everybody else uh, and Shawnee Smith who plays Amanda. Uh, but yes and i think i mean like this is this is like a classic horror thing too when you like once you achieve the status of franchise like there are actors that outshine the competition dramatically and then they wind up being like the vehicles that reshape the franchise you know and, and sometimes they're the horror actor themselves like in this case like they're you know jonathan kramer and amanda mm-hmm. but i think of like laurie strode yeah. as a character yeah yeah and, and how that kind of, like, comes to redefine the Halloween franchise. No, you're completely correct. You're completely correct. Like, uh, um, Shawnee Smith d- didn't originally want to take the role of Amanda for Saw 1, for the first Saw. She had a fever during the period that she was filming. She was quite unwell. Um, her agent talked her into it. Tobin Bell, for the first Saw, literally lay on the floor face down for a week. And did it because he liked the script and he wanted to give the filmmaker a kind of like a chance. And they they immediately become kind of crucial to, to this being a success for this film and the next one. Um, but there is one person that we have not yet talked about. And if we're talking about new metal cinema, we have to talk about um, the author of new, new metal cinema, which is Darren Lynn Bowsman. Um yeah, yeah. Let's talk about. What do you think of the direction of this film? So, 
Saw 2 is a feature-length music video. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I think, so there are a lot of directors that are very musical in their influence. Uh, David Lynch and Rob Zombie are two of them. Yeah, 100%. Um, a lot of David Lynch's work and a lot of Rob Zombie's work feels like feature-length music videos. You know, like like they, but for different genres, right? And I think that those two artists... Uh, are are generically possessed and driven by types of music that lends itself to the feature length expression. Uh, new metal is like frantic, mm-hmm. you know. It, it is it is constantly shifting. It's such high drama, and we see that reflected on the screen. We we see those attitudes and those ideas kind of made manifest here, and I don't think it's quite as successful in Saw Two as it is in Lords of Salem. Or Lost Highway. And yeah. I would like to take a moment here to uh, once again remind Mr. Zombie that uh, I have just put you at the same level as one David Lynch. And I don't know who lives in 1317 Mockingbird Lane, but it could be Horror Vanguard. <laughs> and, and, you know what? I completely agree. I And like... <laughs> I... I, you got a legitimate spit take uh, uh, because I'm just going to assume that you agree with my relative comparison of Rob Zombie and David Lynch. Uh, <laughs> in in the fact that they are both they are both kind of like clearly drawing from multiple other sources. Yes, I do, I actually do. Um, you heard it here first, folks. When it comes to cinema, Rob Zombie and David Lynch are the same. Totally identical in every respect. <laughs> That's what we both just said. You can quote us on that one and print it. That is the literal text of this episode. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Um, and yeah, Darren Lynn Bowsman <laughs> is, is, uh, is an interesting director, but like, like like the music that we're talking about is super melodramatic like the directorial James Wan's di- directorial style in Saw is very kind of slow uh, there is not a huge amount of camera movement, there's not a huge amount of quick cutting uh, the sound design is very different and Bowsman's style is like super like almost hyperactive and there are occasions where it works, right? There are occasions like the opening trap sequence, um, where you like the quick cuts are designed to try and put you in the point of view in into the kind of mind of the character. It's not bad. It works. Uh, a lot of it doesn't. A lot of it just doesn't work. <laughs> so I, I, th- I think I think Darren Lynn Bowsman is a great director. Uh, genetic uh, Repo, the Genetic Opera, I, I think is phenomenally well directed. Yeah, I, I love Repo. I, I love Repo. And I, I think that that's where Bowsman's strength lies, right? And I've also heard nothing but good things about his immersive theater experiences. I have never been able to attend one, although I really want to. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hear that those are also really successful. And I think that there are just like, there are these different kind of performative valences that Bowsman really shines in. And this first saw to is just like... He, he did the music video for Static X's So. Yep. And it's got the same kind of directorial POV as Saw 2. And I think that that's a problem. 
yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's um it's it's a lot and like when you, when you have like here's here's how I would kind of distinguish it, right? So Repo the Genetic Opera is about excess, right? Costuming, sound design, cinematography, everything is like pushed to like 11. Everything is lush and it's like Grand Guignol. Um, and that's why Bowsman's style works so well for it. Saw 2 is mostly about decaying industrial areas, um, like muted color tones, uh, you, you know, urban, urban uh, decay. Uh, and it's got Darren Lynn Bowsman's directing style on top of it. So there are moments where those two things just don't don't kind of mesh, if you know what I mean. It's it's almost like it's Limp Biscuit Seven, which is just tonally discordant. <laughs> um, there's one other thing that I wanted to talk about with, uh, with this, which is, um. This is also real. This film is just really silly in places. Very incredibly deeply silly. Uh, yes. What's your favorite moment from this film? Do you have a, do you have a favorite kind of like just this for me is the quintessential horror movie where all of your characters have to just be like the most like blunt people imaginable in order for the movie to work because at, at the onset of everyone being trapped in the house they all have the combination to say it themselves tattooed on the back of their neck and, and it requires everyone just being like unhinged and violent <laughs> and predisposed <laughs> to just like shattering aggression for the events of the movie to take place because it would have just taken one person to go like Oh hey, it looks like there's a number freshly tattooed on the base of your neck. Yeah, maybe we and should check those to go, out. Right, and one other person to go like, "Hey, that's weird," because the base of my neck really hurts right now, almost like there's a fresh tattoo there. And it's just like, oh, like like it's it's silly in a way that Scooby Doo would be jealous of. Uh, I don't know about you, but my favorite moment is when. Um... Uh, the the angry police officer played by charity shop Mark Wilborg decides that it, <laughs> decides that he's going to um, beat a terminal cancer patient halfway to death, and it's 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 an aristocrat's joke. It's it's this like Donnie Wahlberg who is this sort of like confused gorilla who doesn't seem to understand how language works is told that he has to sit down and talk to uh john kramer uh who is this 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 terminal cancer patient who is dying uh and midway through uh donnie Wahlberg just decides that the sensible and and restrained thing to do is just beat this guy halfway to death um and it's just like it's it's like it's like a shock jock stand-up comedian trying to like get a rise out of you but it's so silly and i think like this this folds because this is 2005 that that kind of humor is really in vogue right now 
like, like that kind of attitude, this kind of appraisal of of what is shocking to see. And and for me, like, there's something about that that just doesn't quite stick the landing. And maybe that's because I'm revisiting this 15 years later as as a much different person um, in a much different social and political and personal context. And, you know, like you can never jump in the same river twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, it could be that the excess of depravity that we're seeing in Sawtooth doesn't doesn't go far enough you know it, it, it doesn't reach that other like like repo reaches through the other side of this and, and becomes something on its own through the depravity but this it just feels like an awkward moment in the movie and mostly because this this film basically says that all 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 police are one completely incompetent um but are are literally incapable of doing nothing else um that because not only like at multiple times donnie Wahlberg's character could just go you know what i probably shouldn't be involved maybe we can just bring somebody else in and no problems uh rig who's the leader of the um the, the SWAT team his solution for everything is to immediately rush in and start doing like police brutality to people like, uh, if if anything, this film goes out of this. This film is basically anti-thin blue line propaganda. <laughs> well, I mean, like, like this, this is like the quintessential feature of the Saw movies, right? Is that like Saw One is an extended campaign ad for Bernie Sanders's presidency? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> because the the entire movie doesn't happen if we have social health care. Yeah, precisely. You know, precisely. like the core of the movie goes away. And, and I think like Saw Saw nevertheless does a really good job of kind of like being being something of a barometer for like, you know, American cultural ills. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's entirely correct. Um also, also, my other favorite thing about this film is that um, uh, Jigsaw lives in this kind of upgraded Jigsaw lair, where literally everything is wired to to kind of like to kind of like explode or electrocute you mm-hmm. or chop off your legs. And I'm just like, this is an increasingly frail <laughs> cancer patient who, like, if he gets up in the middle of the night, he's gonna like cut off his own knee by trying to walk downstairs. <laughs> Um, it's it's a I, I can't really find Saw to all that kind of like shocking. There 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 is one there is that one scene the 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 needle pit scene, which is which is kind of uncomfortable and and as you say credit to the practical effects team, but the rest of it is is not really that shocking, right? weirdly i I think like saw two is this kind of like saw interregnum you know because you have saw one which is a different approach at seven it's a very serious movie with a lot of ideas that it's attempting to communicate right whether or not it's successful is a separate conversation right Uh, going forward the saw franchise becomes increasingly about these rube goldberg traps yeah 
Yeah, yeah. Um, and and over the top excessive violence and gore and and torture scenarios. Saw two stands between these horizons, right? It it, it has one foot in the kind of like a, attempted somber seven like movie of the first one, and the like. Uh, evil Willy Wonka of the rest of the Saw franchise. <laughs> evil Willy Wonka is absolutely my favorite phrase. <laughs> <laughs> no, I th- that, that's I th- where they dropped the ball. S- Spiral shouldn't have been an attempt to go back to the seven style origins of Saw. It should have been uh, Jigsaw as Willy Wonka attempting to find his his heir. Yeah. Uh, Yes, I I I think that they they kind of missed the trick there. Um, the the final thing that we should probably bring up is the extremely silly twist ending. Yeah. Okay. So what are your what are your thoughts? <laughs> so, so so the so for people who've not seen it or people who won't see it. Um, the whole point, which, which <laughs> I, I like, I think this is the first time you, you said for people who've seen it and then immediately follow for people who won't see it. <laughs> uh, so the whole, the whole premise is that they're watching the participants of a house um, stumble through various traps in an attempt to find um, a cure for the sarin nerve gas that they've all been inhaling, which is such, such a, We've said this before, but like nobody raised any questions about all of the organophosphates that this guy was getting delivered <laughs> to abandoned warehouses. It's fine. Um, so, so they're watching the the cops are watching this on a on a live feed or on on computer monitors, and the big twist is, it wasn't live. It was nobody. Nobody realized that they could have pressed pause. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I like it, one, because it's extremely simple. Uh, two, because it depends upon uh, the police continuing to be not just, not just like massively incompetent. Uh, and it's and it's also deeply silly. So it's like it's hitting all of the beats uh, of a kind of new metal film. Um, what, what do you think? So I, I thought the twist ending for me was like really, because we, we live in like a completely different cultural moment now. We have these things called Twitch streamers. Uh, yep, absolutely. That, you know, like this is, this is a, a, you know, a sector of the precariat that makes their living by filming themselves playing games or other activities. I just said that as if this was uh, 2248 and I was delivering a paper on like, like early 21st century like cultural jobs or something like wow that was weird anyway like (laughs) you you've got like streaming is like status quo now everybody streams everybody's got this kind of content creation it's very common Mm -hmm. and like i I kept seeing it through that lens You, you know like like i kept seeing this as like uh the the whole idea of like like today like this would play it plays completely differently for me because I'm like, oh, like it's a live stream, you know, like I have so much like cultural like in social technology built in my mind for how to handle that. But in 2004, none such thing. There's live news broadcasts 
but like nothing at all like this so like it's in hindsight it actually it's kind of effective in a weird way but also at the same time like hit yeah hit pause like (laughs) nobody at all thought that the video feed might have been pre-recorded just a little strange what what i love is that like the police spend so much time going get me a tech team right now and it's up to the tech team to just be like you can just pause it just press (laughs) it's like (laughs) guys there's a vcr over here did you see this Oh, so good. Um, it's 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 only going to get worse, everybody. It's only the 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 politics here is still as kind of nastily moralistic and incoherent as ever. There is a real fondness for demonizing people with addiction issues or mental health issues in these films, or or even as we will see in the next one, just people with grief who've experienced losses. Um, so J- Jigsaw's kind of philosophy uh, of like people aren't appreciating the, the, the life that they've given until it's, until it's placed into, in some danger is, uh, again, I think entirely, entirely in keeping with that kind of angsty, contradictory, ambiguously reactionary strain that ran through a lot of new metal in the early 2000s. Um, what do you think? I think I think that's 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 really interesting and like not to derail our new metal conversation here, but like um, actually, I'm going to save this take for the next time. For next time, ooh, so he's saving a take, rebooting the conversation here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really interesting, right? And I think reading these early Saw movies through the context of new metal is like. It's compelling and it offers us like an intersection of musicology and and film studies, right? Like this gives us a a purview of the often overlapping nature of these genres, right? Mm -hmm. What are music videos, if not short movies? What are movies that have scores, if not really long and complicated music videos? There's an intersectionality to the discourse here that is really compelling and like for better or for worse, Saw 2 winds up being such a good vehicle for, like, aughts musical discourse. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. You know, because of Bowsman, because of its aesthetic, because of its uh, the kind of moral and political philosophy it outlines, because of its melodrama, it's all there. It also made $150 million. Let's just, let's just put that out there as well. <laughs> Yes, uh, critically panned, but popularly uh, devoured like candy. Well, I think that I think that about covers it for our discussion on uh, Saw Two, New Metal Boogaloo. So uh, I would like to <laughs> thank everyone for joining us today for our Saw retrospective. And I, I look forward to Saw Three to complete the transition. Uh, the, the transitory Saw government is resigning and a permanent Saw government will be instated in the third episode. Thanks for tuning in, creeps. And remember, stay spooky. Hmm.
Ha 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 